0: Hello friends and welcome back to Mixology, the podcast where we discuss, discover and dissect mono and stereo differences on classic albums from the 60s. And today we're taking a look at the Hollies 1967 LP, Evolution. Now this was an album that was recorded at the same time as Sgt Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band in the same studios, simultaneously with far less sessions, only six in fact, and was released on the same day. However, there's a distinct difference between the two albums, and that is not just due to the music inside, but the mix itself. You see, when one listens to Sgt Pepper in mono and stereo, you'll be treated to a number of very unique differences. On top of this, the stereo mix is one that has elements panned right across the stereo field, left, central, and right, as well as elements to pan between the two. However, If one listens to the stereo mix of Evolution, you'll be treated to one that sounds identical to the mono mix in almost every way, as well as a stereo mix that is wholly unsatisfying in a very basic way, with instrumentation generally panned left, vocals panned right, and occasionally orchestration panned in the central channel, but generally an empty hole being left there. Let's hear an example of this. There's a fantastic track on the second side of the album called When Your Light's Turned On. And it's a great rocking power pop track but in stereo the instrumentation is pan left and the vocals right and ultimately we're left with something that seems sapped of the energy that a mono could provide We'll start with mono and move into stereo until he goes and I'll be happy to wait up until I know. into stereo. Listeners have often wondered through the years for this album if the Mono is in fact a dedicated mix, or if it is indeed a fold down. You see, in the UK at this time, it was very uncommon for Mono albums to not take precedence over stereo. They were still the biggest sellers, and as such the focus would generally be on them and mono fold-downs would be issued right up until 1970, with a number of stereo-only LPs from overseas being issued here in fold-down mono. Either way though, in 1967 this was very uncommon, and the idea of it happening here is a little bit strange, but I think we need to take a jump back a couple of years to try and understand what we're digging into. You see, in 1965, there was a little bit of a panic at EMI. There was a rumor on the horizon that mono records would soon be phased out, and thus the plan was to make mono-compatible stereo mixes. You see, typically a stereo mix is not mono-compatible, despite the fact that a number of overseas LPs will tell you otherwise. Typically, If you fold down a stereo mix, anything slap-bang in the center channel will increase in volume relative to the left and right channels by 3 decibels. Anything in between these two points will of course also receive an increase relative to this, and thus you'll have an imbalanced mix, with the vocals, usually panned centrally, riding way out front, and while this is technically fine, you're left with a very unimpactful mix and low, if you have vocals panned over to one side, they'll just outright disappear and there's some wonderful examples of this that I have from some UK Mums and Papas LPs that were issued here as a fold down rather than with their dedicated mixes. symptom of this is one that I'm sure you're aware of as if you're a Hollies fan it would be a bit unusual for you to not be a fan as well of the Beatles. On their Christmas 1965 LP Rubber Soul the stereo mix suffered when compared with the previous two albums which had been given very solid stereo mixes with the vocals generally centrally panned, rhythm tracked to one side and overdubs to the other. However with Rubber Soul suddenly we're left with a wide, wide stereo mix, with instrumentation to one side, and vocals either panned hard right or split between the left and right channels, and overdubs usually panned over to the vocal channel. This makes for a very imbalanced stereo mix, but one that, yes, is mono-compatible. However, the mono mix is clearly a dedicated mix, due to the number of differences that I've covered before on my Rubber Soul episode of Mixology, so check that out if you haven't already. That said, given this worry, EMI were clearly a company that were unhappy with the idea of people playing back stereophonic records on a monophonic player. You see, on the back of many of their LPs, you would see the following warning. Important. This record is intended for use only on special stereophonic reproducers. If you are doubtful of the suitability of your reproducer for playing this record, we recommend you to consult your record dealer. Most equipment designed for playing stereophonic records may, however, be used with perfect safety for playing normal 33.3 RPM and 45 RPM microgroove records. Clearly there's an emphasis that one should not play stereo records on a monophonic receiver, or at least one that was not compatible with stereo. You see a number of players at this time wouldn't simply fold down a stereo mix rather they would pick up one side of the stereo field and thus one wouldn't get the full reproduction of the mix instead only getting half the sound. So if one were to play the stereo mix of Rubber Soul on this you'd probably only get the instrumentation or the vocals. However, this clearly was not completely the norm if they were considering mixing Rubber Soul's stereo mix into a way that was mono-compatible as ultimately you would still need a reproducer that would sum the two channels together to get the entire mix. Rubber Soul stereo LP, however, does not come with the warning present on the previous Help LP and a number of other EMI LPs at the time, so it was obviously something that was intended to be played on both players, however, as we said, the mono mix was still a dedicated mix and thus intended as the main one for listener consumption. What is interesting is that the Hollies LPs through this period were treated to some slightly more. I guess imbalanced mixes but these were likely due to the fact that many of them were rushed off by other EMI technicians who kinda just had the job of mixing the LP to stereo rather than a true stereo mix of the album if that makes sense. These were generally just done for European consumption. The US was not quite up on the Hollies yet, and Europe was very on it with stereophonic reproduction, and thus stereo mixes were required for the area, but these albums were only issued in the UK in mono, with some exceptions. However, once we move into 1966, so the first album they issued after Rubber Soul, we start to see an interesting mix appear. You see, the LP, Would You Believe, issued later on in the same year as the mono mix features a stereo mix with vocals over to one side but instrumentation not hard left and with overdubs sometimes hard left hard right or in between and thus we get something that is definitely not mono compatible especially as there's a number of tracks with extra echo on that would wash out a mono mix by comparison following album, for certain because, is even more mono incompatible. You see the vocals here are thankfully panned into the central channel, and thus you would get the very imbalanced mono mix we've discussed earlier, and though the mono mix of this album is very close to the stereo, it certainly is a different mix. When I hear However, things get very interesting when we get to evolution. The stereo LP does come with some sort of warning, but it's not so much a warning as a statement. And this is where things get really interesting, as this is a message unique to this LP, or at least as far as I'm aware. You see, it reads, This high fidelity stereo recording may also be played as mono. Any modern lightweight pickup with a playing weight of not more than 5 grams may be used with this record, but for best results we recommend the use of a stereo pickup cartridge. True stereophonic reproduction will, of course, be obtained only from a complete stereo reproducer. Taking into account EMI's previous messages about not playing a stereo LP on a monophonic player, this is clearly a statement that says that the stereo mix is very much compatible with mono, going down to the very fine details of how one should play a record with tracking weight etc. As a result, if there's any doubts about the fact that the monomix this album is a fold down the stereo, this should put them all to bed this is very interesting and it's worth noting that this was possibly an experiment from EMI but it could also have been something designed by Graham Nash who we know was very much a strong stereophile at this time taking great care the same year over the stereo mix of butterfly and often talking in interviews about their live shows how the use of true stereophonic playback of the orchestra will blow the audience's minds you feel about that statement it has to be said the man was on top of modern technology here but if his consideration here was the stereo mix of the album he unfortunately helped create one with a very empty sound Though one that sounds great and cranked up on a pair of speakers in a room where the separation adds to the air rather than the bare bones nature of what one might hear on headphones and of course the speaker reproduction method was what would have been intended in 1967. Certainly many orchestral moments on the album are pan centrally, making the hole in the middle feel less apparent and these balance out perfectly in mono, which is to be commended. A great example of this is the orchestral break in the games we play, where it rides out on top in mono in exciting fashion, but in stereo it seems to sit back a little bit in the mix by comparison. I will say that the mono is definitely superior here for this excitement, but there's more than just that throughout the whole mix. Of course, the folded mono increases the orchestra's position by 3 decibels, thus providing this difference. Let's hear it first in stereo, and again in mono. again in mono other moments in the stereo mix of the as well that do really shine and show what could have been done if one wasn't mixing this LP for mono compatibility. You see, for the majority of ye olde toffee shop, the vocals are panned right and the instrumentation left. But, during the last verse when the orchestra comes in, this is panned to the right and the vocals move into the central channel. Here, listen to this section of the track and tell me it doesn't sound fantastic. The sweets that I can buy With six pennies of my own I always take my time to choose The sweets I'll be taking home Got stoppers in my pockets Barley sugar in my hand Brown is just a the rest all day And sugar that looks like sand I will say that through this all, despite the fact that the mix is identical, the mono mix is still superior. I prefer the amplified orchestration as a result of the mix, and the power is still undeniable, especially on some of the more power pop leaning tracks, such as Have You Ever Loved Somebody, and When Your Lights Turned On. However, the stereo does have its benefits, and certainly, if you have a stereo copy of the LP, why not just fold it down and you've already got the mono mix? Why buy both? Though certainly having the mono LP makes this a little simpler. There are also other interesting little moments. You see, if you've listened to Then the Heartaches Begin in stereo, you may have noticed that the bass actually moves around. This is likely due to the idea of providing somewhat of a stereo field, but also one compatible with mono. Here, notice how the bass starts in the right-hand channel then moves into the center and reduces in volume as the percussion echo begins in said channel. And now listen again in mono and notice how the bass remains at the same volume thanks to the three decibel boost afforded by the Fold. (laughs) This is clearly an intentional mixing choice, and one that does have to be commended, it does have to be said, as the idea of making moves such as this to provide somewhat of a decent stereo picture while making one that could fold down well is definitely not one that would be simple. All that aside though, we're not quite at the end yet. You see, the US stereo release of the album is definitely up for consideration as well. Certainly, there's no unique mixes here, but it does carry the nice note on the back of the sleeve, produced by Ron Richards, prepared for release in the USA by Manny Kellum. Now, Manny would doctor a lot of work on the Epic label, including releases by the Tremolos as well but here it's just got a vast amount of echo added to the stereo mix, likely to fill out the cavity presented in the central channel, very much in Dave Dexter Jr style. While I can neither confirm nor deny that the US mono features this echo, as I've never come across a US mono LP of the album, the mono mix of Leave Me on the follow-up LP Dear Eloise slash King Miser inverse is dry, while the stereo mix features the echo again, making me believe that it would match the UK masters for the mono LP. Either way, none of these are actually unique mixes, rather, masters treated very differently. Here's a snippet of the UK stereo mix of You Need Love, moving into the US stereo master, of course, taken from my US Epic LP. While it's of course very exciting and the album does open up with Carrie Anne, it's not the way to listen to the album. The UK mono is by far the superior mix and ultimately is the way that one should discover this album. So, Do seek that out if you haven't already. Ultimately, while there is only one mix of the 12 tracks on the LP, given the way it has been issued and treated through the years, the folding of the stereo to mono has clearly been marked in the archives as a mono master, and will remain my preferred way to listen to the album until we get an appropriate stereo mix to the album, if ever. Such a remix would be fantastic, especially if it could use earlier tapes to sync up and provide us with extra material to create a wider stereo picture, but we do know that Ron Richards was often one to get things done quickly and thus wouldn't tend to bounce things down the way that would give an ideal stereo picture. By the way, that kind of summarises what we were going for today. These two mixes, as I said, are the same, but were prepared in such a unique way that I thought they deserved their own unique episode. I do want to give an episode in the future looking at some albums that were issued in mono that are often debated but are only a fold down, but I want to provide a few different examples of that for that episode. For this, because of the unique case and the US mixes, I thought we got a pretty beefy episode given the context. Either way, I hope you enjoyed this slightly alternative mixology episode, and if you want some more classic mixology content, there'll be another episode of Mixology on 45 this Sunday over at the Patreon, so head on over there to check that out if you so desire. You can find it at patreon.com forward slash backtomono, and of course I'll put a link to that down in the show notes of course I want to give a huge shout out to my newest patrons Rick LaHaye and Nick DeStore so thank you guys for signing up and I hope you're enjoying all the extra content for Mixology and Back to Mono of course there's plenty of other content there and around as well there's links to that all down the show notes as well as an email to get in contact with me at backtomonoradio at gmail.com and my Instagram at hypnoticfred but with all that out of the way I want to say Thank you so, so much for listening. And remember, whoever you are and wherever you are, have a great, great day.